Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. tempting was it for you to just complete the circle and go back? Uh, it was very tempting because um, what? <laughs> well, you were supposed to be here, Mr. Roll Your Ankle. <laughs> no, I don't make it. That's the, the uh, light. That's the light. You can't see. <laughs> he said you ain't that light. That's right. Reunited and it feels so good. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Big college football doubleheader on ESPN later tonight. Coming up, we'll tell you whether USC and NFL teams should be worried about Sam Darnold's picks being up. Meanwhile, Giancarlo Stanton is up to 59 homers. Should 60 come with NL MVP? And later we give it up one more time for Tom Brady. But first, Russell Westbrook got his money up. Well, you can scratch this bit of NBA offseason business off the list. Russell Westbrook, he finally signed the Thunder's five-year, $205 million extension. The biggest guaranteed contract in NBA history. So drinks and dinner on Russell always. Uh, Westbrook already was a colorful dresser. He might come to the games wearing a zebra with all that cash that he's got now. And, of course, he Instagrammed this. Why not? Um, not sure if that was why not the Thunder or why not win a championship. Who knows? Anyway, his new deal uh, starts in the 2018-19 season. But as far as the OKC faithful are concerned, Russ is a made man. It's just after 3 o'clock on Friday, September 29th. You may remember we had a Russell Westbrook day last year. Now that he signed a new contract, I proclaim that every day is Russell Westbrook Day. Don't worry about it. You don't have to say it. Say what? That I was right. I mean, it just kind of goes without saying. <laughs> right about what? Right about Russ was, it was a matter of time before he signed this contract. As you and other people think y'all have this man figured out, <laughs> thinking that he's Hollywood because he's got eclectic and eccentric fashion sense. There is nothing on tape that says, I said he was definitely going to L.A. I, I was said here when you said it. You were sitting I, I up here talking about Magic Johnson and back to L.A. I said and he the and Paul Lakers George. were an attractive option and that Russ would probably keep it. I wouldn't blame him for keeping his options How open. How many times I got to tell you it's management and money and not market. Why would you? Sam Preston. It had nothing to do with the market. What an offseason. This man turned <laughs> Oladipo, Sabonis, and Enos Cantor into Carmelo Anthony and Paul George. We'll so why would you not trust like your prime year, with Sam Preston? We'll get to that. Well, he'll figure it out was, a way to it wasn't build a, matter, a contender around him. It wasn't a matter of not trusting him. What I said was my... The reason why I put the Lakers in the conversation had nothing to do with the fact that it was L.A. Or, and how Russell loves fashion. It was nothing superficial. It's that the Lakers are an attractive option given where they are basketball-wise. Which that is where? That's where you think they are. Janelle, I keep telling you how it is, and you want to tell me how it could be. Oklahoma City, or Sam Presti is proven when it comes to building a contender. L.A. might be on the come up. We think they are, but so this they, a they buzz like doesn't, up, doesn't like, necessarily mean that you have a body of work to go with it. Well, and, and who knows? There's Recently always that there's is. always somebody who emerges out of nowhere. What I, all I was saying was I wouldn't blame Russell Westbrook, despite the fact that he's now seen as the good kid who stayed. Uh, I wasn't saying that Oklahoma City wasn't his best option. I wasn't even saying they weren't an option. All I said was I wouldn't blame him if he looked around because there's a lot of attractive options out there besides Oklahoma City. But I tell you what, your boy ain't slick. Mm. You know whose birthday is today? 
Um, it's Kevin Durant. Okay. So he just so happened to sign his contract. Come on. The day of Kevin Durant's okay, so, so since you, so since you, thought, since you were wrong about his mindset when it came to whether or not he was going to stay, now you're trying to project your pettiness on him. Seriously, everybody didn't think like you. That's, that's, that's there ridiculous. Are pettiness, that's there ridiculous. are more people who are like me and petty than there are non-petty. I think, I think Petty Nation thrives. Are your arms hurt from reaching so much? <laughs> Not reaching. All right, he could have signed this at any time, but he just so happened to pick Kevin Durant's birthday. That's a cute storyline, so let me get this straight. He's so obsessed with Kevin Durant that he would sign his extension on Kevin Durant's birthday. I'm sorry, you and I put the rundown together today. Were we leading the show with, with Kevin Durant's birthday? Has Kevin Durant's birthday been the top story on all the talk shows today? So, in other words, see, that's why they say hurt people hurt people, starting with themselves. Okay. So, in other words, Russell Westbrook decided to, to announce that he was getting 233 or 235, biggest contract ever over the next six years, and share his shine with Kevin Durant. So now Kevin Durant is part of his story. So under the guise of being petty, Kevin Durant is now part of his story. Come on now, he's past that. They were supposed to do this as a bigger announcement at a a school, I believe, locally. I don't know when he was supposed to do it. all of a sudden, he was like, no, no, it's got to happen today. Why why can it happen yesterday? Why can it happen last week? He didn't just make this decision So Katie's birthday party is ruined now because Russell Westbrook announced his extension. Sometimes you send undercover petty messages. Just saying. This might be an undercover petty message. All right, well, I don't know nothing about that. So much for all that talk by the way, about Russ and PG-13 leaving for Hollywood after this season together. Russ's extension, does it improve the Thunder's chances of keeping Paul George, too, while we're on the subject? Nope. <laughs> Are you just want to move on? Why no, not? No, no, no. It, it doesn't because I... Because he's from L.A. And everybody says L.A. And everybody been sick and, and, they got, and, the, and the Lakers got worst caught kept, tampering, worst right? Worst kept secret in the world okay. is that Paul right. George wants to go to L.A. Look, I Paul George it. wants to win. Uh, okay. He wants to win in L.A. I would love to see... How this team looks like next season, because Melo has the early termination option, mm-hmm. right? Paul George, uh, this is the last year of his deal. I, I just would love to see who Russ is with next year, because I don't think it's going to be either one of these two guys. I understand the connections, and I understand the admiration for Kobe and, and, and growing up in L.A. And, and, and I, Look, I'm not trying to disparage the progress that the Lakers have made. They're under new management. I like their young core. Lonzo Ball, who we may touch on later on, for whatever it's worth, will look great in practice. We'll see him in preseason starting this weekend. Brandon Ingram on to come up. I get the excitement around the Lakers. But when you're in your prime, you don't have time to say, you know what, it's always been a dream of mine to play for the Lakers. I want to restore them to glory. Because by the time they get to a point where they can contend with the Warriors and the rest of the Western Conference, you may be old and past said prime. So if Paul George is really serious about winning right now, yeah, it may be ideal and a perfect story for him to win in L.A., but if you've got the MVP there, you've got Steven Adams there, you have a general manager that is proven capable of putting contenders around his stars who probably would have a title talking about Sam Presti to his name if not for some injuries and a premature trade of James Harden if you want to go back that far but even since then a lot of bad luck along the way when you have that and you're Paul George it's not as simple as yeah I, I gotta go to I want to go to LA I really want to be in Hollywood because you can go and ho- go to Hollywood and in this Western Conference finish at the bottom or miss the playoffs all together so so no you're, it's you're, not a lot he's going to LA he might stay with, with you're Russell forgetting Westbrook. about the big joker what's that LeBron James. Don't act like you play space. You play space well. <laughs> oh, I know you're not talking. You probably you played were, a big joker you were, early. You were part of the team in, in which we lost. So, look. Yeah, because you're underbid. So, what's, what LeBron James got to do with it? If he go to L.A.? Anyway, so if LeBron goes to L.A., so you mean to tell me that that's not a It's fact- possible. Mm-hmm. Anything's possible. But you're you still assuming that LeBron's going to L.A. You're kind of two or three steps ahead of no, yourself I, right I, now. I think I'm and just- Paul George has said all the right things this week about this being a yeah, place he said the right thing where to he Indiana could maybe and stay. he wanted out of there, too, okay. right? Okay, right. so I'm 
the worst kept secret in the world. Got a leather jacket on, think you know something. <laughs> Rick Pitino released a statement last hour which stated in part, quote, I had no knowledge of any payments to any recruit or their family says coach too. But I was the head coach and I will take ownership of my decisions. The university took the action they thought was necessary and I will do the same. Well then. <laughs> Meanwhile, David Padgett has been hired as interim coach at Louisville, reportedly on a six-month contract. Doesn't get much more interim than that. Padgett had worked under Rick Pitino since 2014 after playing for the Cardinals from 2005 to 2008. Louisville interim president Dr. Greg Postel said today the school hasn't named an interim athletics director. Here's Padgett. It's been a dark week at U of L. There's uh, there's no other thing to say about that. It's it's been very trying for a lot of people, for the university, the city, um, this program, you know, the athletics department. It's it's been a tough week. Obviously, this is going to be not a distraction, but I mean, it, it's going to be there all season. It's in the situation is what it is, but we're going to deal with it and we're going to be positive about it every day. And we're just gonna we're going to try to go out and win as many games as possible. And and you know, we're we're looking forward to the challenge. All right, so interim coach. Is Louisville still an attractive gig, Jamal? Attractive gig? I think it will be once, obviously, some of this dies down. Depending but, on the penalties. And but whatnot. they're going to go the total opposite direction. Best believe the next coach that comes through there is going to have a squeaky clean reputation. You know how in the NFL they go from... Opposite Joe. Uh, yeah, opposite Players Joe. Players coach, disciplinary. Yeah. It's going to be the same thing here. Yeah. As for Dave Padgett, I mean, he's basically the substitute teacher. And I, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but if you're in Louisville, um, unless something... Truly significant happens in their season. Like they go on some run that nobody expected, and they don't want to uh, kind of jumble up the, the consistency and the chemistry. You can't have anybody attached to yeah. this period in their history. I think it's still a very attractive gig. I mean, you look at Penn State recently. James Franklin thought that was attractive enough, and that was a much worse scandal than this. So, depending on the penalties, you've seen a lot of people come back from being mired in scandal. All right, Devon- back. Devontae Adams has been released from the hospital after taking a brutal hit from Danny Trevathan in last night's Packers-Bears game. Coach Mike McCarthy said today that Adams is in the concussion protocol, and he visited with him briefly last night. Now, McCarthy described Adams, his mood, as, quote, rambunctious, and he said he's eager to move forward. In addition to giving a thumbs up as he was carried off the field last night, Adams, of course, he tweeted that he was at home feeling great, and he appreciated all the prayers. Uh, but getting back to Danny Trevathan, we all saw that hit. I cringed, yep. recoiled, had all the human reactions that a lot of other people did. What should the NFL do with him? Hit him as hard as he had Devontae Adams. Minimum multi-game suspension. Minimum of two. Um, that could have been a Daryl Stingley situation. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just about Devontae Adams' safety. This is also about Danny Trevathan's safety. He could have hurt himself. And the league can only do so much to protect players. Players have to protect one another. And don't tell me that it was unintentional. There is no defending hitting a defenseless player in that way. I know he doesn't have a reputation as being a dirty player, but damn it, that was a dirty play. And it could have been costly. Thank God everybody is okay. And you're talking about a week or so that's seen CTE connected to Aaron Hernandez. Recently, they discovered CTE in 110 out of 111 deceased brains. More recently, there was a report that they're close to being able to diagnose CTE in the brains of living patients. And what got underplayed from last Friday was the president's remarks on the safety initiatives in the league because we kept talking about the anthem protests. So this is a league that's all about optics, and these were awful optics. I know this is the way the game used to be played, but we know way too much and we've come way too far for these types of hits to continue. So this was not just a threat 
to Devontae Adams' safety. This was not just a threat to Danny Trevathan's safety. This act, this was a threat to the very game itself. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with everything you said. And I still can't figure out how he wasn't ejected. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and it's a judgment call. It is a judgment call. They don't call. review it. I think that's what it is. I understand that, yeah. but Mike... I think most people watching, and I know sometimes it's unfair in real time. Yeah, vantage so, point. Yeah, it is a vantage point. But the, even in the stadium, you could hear people re- reacting to this with a, with a gas. Right. Because we all at least heard it. We saw it. I mean, he was stood up. Mm-hmm. He had already been conquered by the defense. Progress had been and stopped. And so that's why when people – normally, I don't like to play the intent game because mm-hmm. you don't know a player's intent. And I don't know Danny Trevathan's intent. I don't know his heart. I don't know sure. what's going through his mind. But it looked as intentional of a hit as I've ever seen in football, period. Yeah. I hate the targeting rule, rule in college because uh, – and I'm glad they, they started to review it. But one thing I hate about how it was executed last year is because they were trying to judge intent. There is no way – Especially after, what, was it a few weeks ago, uh, early in this season, where was it uh, Jeremy Lane who was oh, ejected? Oh, yeah, for the, the for phantom a punch, punch. that yeah. never happened. Right. So it, they ejected him for that. But this, that everybody saw, like, he's still in the game. Right. But I'm with you. The NFL has to really make a statement with this because something like this in the game just cannot be tolerated. Yep. All right. Giancarlo Stanton hit two home runs Thursday for his 10th multi-home run game this season. One shy of tying... <laughs> The single-season Major League Baseball record. Stanton now has 59 home runs this season. One shot becoming the sixth different player in MLB history to hit 60 in a season. The last three probable starters Giancarlo Stanton faces are all rookies who have combined for just over 100 career innings pitched. Stanton has 12 home runs off rookies this season. Pedro Gomez, veteran reporter, joining us now from Miami. Pedro, what are people in and around Major League Baseball saying about Stanton maybe matching Maris at 61? You know, this is this is kind of a slippery slope, as one general manager told me, because you don't know 100% what's going on back in the day. But basically, I, I polled about 12 either general managers or managers today and asked them this very question. One manager had an interesting thing. He said, look, Barry Bonds is the record holder at 73, but I respect Maris's 61 far more than I do Bonds. Another general manager told me, you know what, if those three guys that have eclipsed Roger Maris, which is Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and Barry Bonds, if they were in the Olympics, their names would be wiped from the record books and those numbers would be vacated. So, you know, they've all been tarnished by PED use. They played in that era. So really, Michael, it's up to the individual. Whatever you want to believe is the record. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and if you want, you can look back farther than that and say that the game was segregated for a long time. So there's a lot of different asterisks you could assign to different records. Pedro Gomez, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. All right, now now Stanton, of course, is in the thick of the NL MVP race. Now get this. Let's just assume he does win NL MVP. He would be only the sixth player to win the award while playing on a team with a losing record. The others who won with losing records, uh, Mike Trout last year, of course, also Alex Rodriguez, Cal Ripken Jr., and Andre Dawson and Ernie Banks. And with that, we bring in a hitting expert as the prop shows. She actually, she said I could use that on you if I needed to. Yeah, I mean, you guys were getting, like, crazy <laughs> earlier. I was like, I got a, I got a bath. Do I need to, like, put this in there? <laughs> I, I thought you were going to demonstrate Stanton's closed stance. It's kind of helped him. We'll get into that. Okay. But first, let's start as uh, – 
gave you that stat about NL MVP. He seems to be, Stanton seems to be the people's choice almost for NL MVP, given uh, the home runs that he's hit this season. So is he your NL MVP? No, he's not. And I, I give him so much credit, so much props. And we can break down his stance and talk about all the, the stuff he's done within this season. I mean, yeah. you got to remember, he struggled the first half. So all this power is coming in the second half. But my guy's Charlie Black- Blackman. Okay. And this is a guy, he's like sneaky, okay? Because he's probably not even the MVP for a lot of people on his own team. Nolan Arenado yeah. gets a ton of love. But the dude's hit 200 hits, 100 RBIs. He's got 14 triples, 36 home runs. Most and total he, bases ever by a leadoff hitter. He's been ridiculous. Yeah. So good. And just because he doesn't have the name. And this is a guy who really, in my opinion, is overachieving this year. So you get a guy like Paul Goldschmidt that does the same thing every single year, puts up those numbers. Charlie Blackman, this is his year. I want to give him some love. Yeah, it's not 59 home runs. I get it. He's not Stanton. But he'd he be my All right, so just staying with the Rockies, are you giving it to him over Arenado with his defense, the way he's finished, and a 1266 OPS with runners in scoring position? Yes, I'm absolutely Ooh. giving it to him. Because if you I'll look take. at – all right, I'm an outfielder too, so maybe that's like – Black is out in the grass. Yeah. Like, I get Arenado is ridiculous at third base. But Black, we, saw, we saw the highlights. You saw the diving catches. I mean, he's taken away more runs and done so much out in the outfield that it's, it's been pretty ridiculous. What right. about Max Scherzer? <laughs> For Cy Young or MVP? I mean, there are certain, certain people that are throwing people him out there as a possible right. MVP. <laughs> He's in the conversation, though. He's in the conversation. I know it's hard to give it to a pitcher, obviously, but people have brought him up. Yeah. No, I... You're I, not willing to be one of those people. Like, <laughs> She's yeah, like, okay, that, that's nice. Like, that's nice. <laughs> a position everyday player. I got you. Now, uh, well, no, I, I know that's always a debate, as you mentioned, about whether or not pitchers are deserving this award, especially because they have their own award. I don't right. see anything with it. But not that I matter in this conversation, but he wouldn't be in my conversation. Sure. Um, Plus, he's not even a shoe-in for the Cy Young. I mean, you got yeah. Clayton Kershaw up against him. Mm-hmm. There's so many good pitchers in, in the National League. So, All right. Well, uh, I don't know if you can uh, actually give us a, a little hitting clinic. If I you mean, will. I brought the bat just because I don't bat? know what we're okay. going to I mean, right. last time Michael and I were on, we were, we were getting into it. We were ready to fight. So I don't I'm know like, i got to bring about. props. we got to, like. All right. So this time <laughs> she bought some artillery with us. So. Yeah. Something to check out about this game. Very interesting. 14th ranked Miami and Duke have one of the more, as I said, interesting matchups of the week. Vegas has Miami favorites by six and a half, but FBI actually gives Duke a 55% chance to win. Mm. I guess everybody in Vegas doesn't know it all. Um, to break this down and really to just to make a pick, given what I just said, Jesse yeah. Palmer, who do you like? So I like Miami in this game, guys. I don't think anyone expected Duke to start the season 4-0. They beat mm-hmm. three uh, Power Five conference teams on the road. But to me, Miami has so much NFL talent defensively in their front seven. You look, they've got some athletes who beat one-on-one. They, they can penetrate, get in the backfield. They stunt, they twist. They've got speed. Chad Thomas coming off the edge. R.J. McIntosh inside. They've got three linebackers that can go sideline to sideline. Three true sophomores, by the way. I think that speed and overall athleticism slows down the rushing attack of Duke, which has looked really good early this year. And Duke's got a quarterback in Daniel Jones. He's 6'5", 215, but can run. A lot of zone read plays. They're able to hurt other defenses on. I think that front seven will easily the best front seven they've seen this year. I think Miami's going to get the win. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the other game. USC quarterback Sam Darnold, he's got seven interceptions through four games. That's tied for third most in FBS heading into tonight's matchup against Washington State's 12th-ranked defense. More bad news for Darnold and the Trojans. They'll be without left tackle Toa Lobendon, number two wide receiver Stephen Mitchell Jr. and, line, and defensive linebacker. That's redundant. Porter Gustin. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough read with yeah. Toa Lobodon, too. That's, yeah, there's that's no offense. Right yeah, yeah. Anyway, Darnold, 
uh, who is easy to forget has only made 14 starts, is seeing fewer blitzes this season and has had some bad luck with tips and drops. And he admits that he has been impatient at times. Uh, so let's answer this question from Joel's article on ESPN.com. Should USC be worried about Sam Darnold heading into tonight's matchup against Mike Leach's defense? I don't think they should. And, and here's the thing. To me, Sam Darnold is still playing like the first pick of next year's NFL draft. Seven picks, not good. Mm-hmm. And that's well documented. But I think Sam Darnold has so much on his plate running a pro-style offense in the college game. Think about this. In the modern era of college football, with all the spread offenses and up-tempo, no one's really throwing the ball deep down the field. Quarterbacks are looking to the sideline to get the play from the coach. More and more coaches, I think, around the country are taking control away from quarterbacks to limit the mistakes. Sam Darnold's got everything on his plate. He's changing protections at the line of scrimmage. He's got full field reads. He's going through progressions. And by the way, USC has still won 13 games in a row. He's still making big-time plays. The interceptions are going to have to stop. And that's something certainly NFL pundits and GMs and coaches will continue to microanalyze as we move along. But to me, Sam Darnold's still playing at an extremely high level. He's going to have to limit that tonight against a tough Washington State defense on the road. But I still think he's playing lights out. So seven interceptions this year, nine last year. But he's had 64 passes in the red zone in his college career, 28 touchdowns, and one pick. And I remember a guy that won MVP last year, I think his name was Matt Ryan, had 19 in senior year at BC. Remember what a big deal that was? He started picks at BC. Yeah, you you can win games if you play well in the red zone. Yeah, Yeah, it usually helps. And I think uh, Darnold has probably had about three or four throws this season where every – that it – left me clutching my imaginary pearl. So <laughs> there's that part about it. I want to ask you about the other huge game of the weekend, mm. Clemson, Virginia Tech. Um, they hit the road in one of the toughest places to play yeah. uh, to face off against Vitek in this ACC showdown. Uh, Clemson has looked impressive uh, this season for sure, but how do you think Kelly Bryant, how do you think he holds up in Blacksburg. Yeah, so that's a great point, Jamel. Lane Stadium is crazy. I've never played there. I've called a bunch of games there. It's loud. There's so much energy. It's just hard to hear yourself think, let alone operate as a quarterback. I think Kelly Bryant, for the most part, looked really good through four games this year. I think this is going to be a feast or famine game for Kelly Bryant. I think Bud Foster, the D coordinator for Virginia Tech, is one of the best in the country. His defense is always athletic. They're always aggressive, but they're really exotic. They've got some crazy coverage looks, some crazy blitz packages that can confuse quarterbacks. I think there's going to be times in this game where Kelly Bryant, in a zone read, is going to be one-on-one with a safety. If he can make that guy miss, it's going to be a house call. There's going to be times there's going to be awkward coverages, but if he can find the one-on-one matchup in man coverage – it could be a touchdown. Again, Bud Foster, I think he's been coaching defense for the Hokies for like 30 years. He's made experienced fourth, fifth-year senior quarterbacks look very average and very lost. I think Kelly Bryant's going to do okay, and I think because of Clemson's defense, right. I think they're going to get the win. It's going to be interesting to see what his counterpart, the freshman Jackson, yeah. does oh, yeah. against that Clemson yeah. defense. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sounds like you're picking Virginia Tech. I'm going Clemson. Really? Clemson okay. on the road. Yeah, because of that defense, that D-line. And, gotcha. You know, I think you know, watching them struggle early against Boston College last week, Clemson's receivers, they got beat up, couldn't get open. They got pushed around in the perimeter in the blocking game. I think Kelly Bryant's receivers will play better with the ball and without the ball. Now that'll be a big, I think, a big key in this game. All right, right. Jesse, appreciate you, man. Something to check out about this game. Very interesting. 14th ranked Miami and Duke have one of the more, as I said, interesting matchups of the week. Vegas has Miami favorites by six and a half, but FBI actually gives Duke a 55% chance to win. Mm. I guess everybody in Vegas doesn't know it all. Um, 
to break this down and really to just to make a pick, given what I just said, Jesse yeah. Palmer, who do you like? So I like Miami in this game, guys. I don't think anyone expected Duke to start the season 4-0. They mm-hmm. beat three uh, Power 5 conference teams on the road. But to me, Miami has so much NFL talent defensively in their front seven. You look, they've got some athletes who beat one-on-one. They, they can penetrate, get in the backfield. They stunt, they twist. They've got speed. Chad Thomas coming off the edge. R.J. McIntosh inside. They've got three linebackers that can go sideline to sideline. Three true sophomores, by the way. I think that speed and overall athleticism slows down the rushing attack of Duke, which has looked really good early this year. And Duke's got a quarterback in Daniel Jones. He's 6'5", 215, but can run. A lot of zone read plays they're able to hurt other defenses on. I think that front seven will easily the best front seven they've seen this year. I think Miami's going to get the win. All right, let's move on to the other game. USC quarterback Sam Darnold, he's got seven interceptions through four games. That's tied for third most in FBS heading into tonight's matchup against Washington State's 12th-ranked defense. More bad news for Darnold and the Trojans. They'll be without left tackle Toa Lovendon, number two wide receiver Stephen Mitchell Jr. and, line, and defensive linebacker. That's redundant. Porter Gustin. <laughs> anyway. That's uh, a, a tough read to pull a lobe down, too. That's, yeah, there's that's no a good call right yeah, there. Yeah. Anyway, Darnold, uh, who is easy to forget, has only made 14 starts, is seeing fewer blitzes this season and has had some bad luck with tips and drops, and he admits that he has been impatient at times. Uh, so let's answer this question from Joel's article on ESPN.com. Should USC be worried about Sam Darnold heading into tonight's matchup against Mike Leach's defense? I don't think they should. And, and here's the thing. To me, Sam Darnold is still playing like the first pick of next year's NFL draft. Seven picks, not good. Mm-hmm. And that's well documented. But I think Sam Darnold has so much on his plate running a pro-style offense in the college game. Think about this. In the modern era of college football, with all the spread offenses and up-tempo, no one's really throwing the ball deep down the field. Quarterbacks are looking to the sideline to get the play from the coach. More and more coaches, I think, around the country are taking control away from quarterbacks to limit the mistakes. Sam Darnold's got everything on his plate. He's changing protections at the line of scrimmage. He's got full field reads. He's going through progressions. And by the way, USC has still won 13 games in a row. He's still making big-time plays. The interceptions are going to have to stop. And that's something certainly NFL pundits and GMs and coaches will continue to microanalyze as we move along. But to me, Sam Darnold's still playing at an extremely high level. He's going to have to limit that tonight against a tough Washington State defense on the road. But I still think he's playing lights out. So seven interceptions this year, nine last year. But he's had 64 passes in the red zone in his college career, 28 touchdowns and one pick. And I remember a guy that won MVP last year, I think his name was Matt Ryan, had 19 his senior year at BC. Remember what a big deal that was? Yeah, yeah. Historic picks at BC. Yeah, you you can win games if you play well in the red zone. Yeah, Yeah, it usually helps. And I think uh, Darnold has probably had about three or four throws this season where every – that it – left me clutching my imaginary pearl. So <laughs> there's that part about it. I want to ask you about the other huge game of the weekend, mm. Clemson, Virginia Tech. Um, they hit the road in one of the toughest places to play yeah. uh, to face off against Vitek in this ACC showdown. Uh, Clemson has looked impressive uh, this season for sure, but how do you think Kelly Bryant, how do you think he holds up in Blackburn? Yeah, so that's a great point, Jamel. Lane Stadium is crazy. Yeah. I've never played there. I've called a bunch of games there. It's loud. There's so much energy. It's just hard to hear yourself think. 
let alone operate as a quarterback. I think Kelly Bryant, for the most part, looked really good through four games this year. I think this is going to be a feast or famine game for Kelly Bryant. I think Bud Foster, the deep coordinator for Virginia Tech, is one of the best in the country. His defense is always athletic. They're always aggressive, but they're really exotic. They've got some crazy coverage looks, some crazy blitz packages that can confuse quarterbacks. I think there's going to be times in this game where Kelly Bryant, in a zone read, is going to be one-on-one with a safety. If he can make that guy miss, it's going to be a house call. There's going to be times there's going to be awkward coverages, but if he can find the one-on-one matchup in man coverage – it could be a touchdown. Again, Bud Foster, I think he's been coaching defense for the Hokies for like 30 years. He's made experienced fourth, fifth-year senior quarterbacks look very average and very lost. I think Kelly Bryant's going to do okay, and I think because of Clemson's defense, right. I think they're going to get the it win. Like it's going to be interesting to see what his counterpart, the freshman Jackson, yeah. does oh, yeah. against that Clemson yeah. defense. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sounds like you're picking Virginia Tech. I'm going Clemson. Really? Clemson okay. on the road. Yeah, because of that defense, that D-line. And, gotcha. you know, I think you know, watching them struggle early against Boston College last week, Clemson's receivers, they got beat up, couldn't get open. They got pushed around in the perimeter in the blocking game. I think Kelly Bryant's receivers will play better with the ball and without the ball. Now that'll be a big, I think, a big key in this game. All right, right. Jesse, appreciate you, man. The Las Vegas Police Department said today at a press conference that its review of body cam video footage showed police officers had reasonable suspicion to stop Seahawks defensive lineman Michael Bennett in August after a shooting was reported at a hotel casino. Bennett, who said a Vegas police officer pulled a gun on him and threatened to kill him, accused the police of targeting him because of his race. Here's more from Las Vegas Police today. What happened was you saw the officer. All right, so you hear what he said? Yeah, I'm not mad at Charles. He said, we hear somebody shooting in there. Everyone's down. You're running. I'm trying to get out of my team. Yeah, stop, stop talking. I understand. But you understand how that looks, though. Yeah. Okay, you're not in under arrest. We're going to get you out of here, okay? But we just have to make sure, because right now, all we know is people are shooting in there is what we're hearing, and then you're running away. So we're making sure that's not you. Now, come out. And if it's not you, we, we don't have time to be out here talking to you. Can I just get your you. name? Do you have an ID on you? No, man. My name is Michael Bennett. Okay. You have a, you know, look it up. Michael Bennett. Yeah. If you think that video proves that Michael Bennett was lying, then you were not inclined to believe him to begin with. Yeah. A lot of people were looking to discredit this. That, that's inconclusive, to say the least. Well, as you know, because of the anthem protest and in general, when athletes speak out about uh, police brutality, a lot of talk about whether the players are doing enough in their communities as they protest racial injustice. Well, the Seahawks announced today they are creating a equality and justice for all action fund to support education and leadership programs addressing those particular issues. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing from Michael Bennett. Uh, last night, the Bears and Packers, they linked arms. And before the game, Aaron Rodgers asked that fans join them in a show of solidarity. It, of course, was met with mixed reactions. Seems to be kind of a common theme when it comes to the anthem. Now, ESPN and Global Strategy and the Global Strategy Group conducted an online survey from September 26th through the 28th to gauge how the country feels about a variety of issues regarding the NFL player protests, President Trump's criticism of those protests, and if their interest in the NFL has changed. And here's some of what they found. As you see, a majority of people disapproved with President Trump's comments last week in Alabama on the player protests. As for whether or not athletes should stick to sports, 46% disagreed, 44% agreed. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty high number. Uh, interest in watching uh, or following NFL after the player protests, as you see there. There are some who are more interested, some are less. Um, and a huge section of people in the middle who, have, who said it had no impact either way. Uh, given the results of the survey, Mike, what stood out to you? A, a, a few things. I was surprised that 
only 55% think that the media focused too much on NFL player protests. Maybe the people that are against it are just really loud. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm surprised at that low number. And I'm surprised that only 44% agree with the sentiment that professional athletes should stick to sports. Only 44? Only 44. I'm, I thought it'd be much higher than that. Okay. I thought it'd be a whole lot I think higher. 44 is still pretty high, and that's what stood out to me. And, you know, it's just interesting when you hear people tell athletes essentially to stay in their place. Mm-hmm. And um, some of that depends on what exactly they're, they're speaking about because you don't hear when it's breast breast cancer awareness month uh or maybe even domestic violence on certain issues people are completely fine with athletes uh going outside of their sport and becoming a voice but on other issues as we've seen when it comes to anything related to race and especially the issue of police brutality as it relates to African-Americans, now all of a sudden it's just shut up and just play. Mm -hmm. So as I've often said, people are fine with athletes speaking out until they speak out and say something you don't agree with. And I think a lot of the people that are right now saying, see, Michael Bennett, he wasn't telling the truth. He lied. I think they were already predisposed to do so. And they're looking for facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit suit facts. These are the same people that like to destroy the messenger and discredit the message and think that Michael Bennett somehow lied based off of what I would describe as far from definitive proof that his account was false. And and they never can answer the question, why would Michael Bennett lie for what? Well, and I can answer the question why they need him to lie, Mm -hmm. because they need to discredit the message when the fact of the matter is, even if, if Michael Bennett somehow exaggerated this encounter, even if he did, okay, that, that, that doesn't discredit the message or discredit the problem or the, the actual issue, the crisis that is police brutality, any more than a false rape or sexual assault allegation undermines the idea that women are battered, beaten, and, and raped. That still happens even if you have somebody who does not tell a complete story. In this case, even if, I can't stress enough, if Michael Bennett somehow didn't, was not completely truthful, which I need to hear from him and see a lot more video of the original encounter before I'm willing to say that he wasn't being truthful, even if he wasn't, police brutality is still a thing. Right. So. And much has been discussed before. The police often will, or people will often say, well, the police, they go into these situations fearing for their life. With all due respect, did you, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, finish, finish oh, the point. Oh, no, I was going to say, Michael Bennett, in yeah. that instance, why is why he, not, should, allowed why is he not allowed to feel right. the same amount same of thing. Yeah, exactly. I've said the same thing. But I, did anybody expect anything else? Yeah. Any other presentation with all due respect? Say, you know what, you're right, you got us for profiling. For me, the most important college football game this weekend isn't Clemson versus Virginia Tech or tonight's USC-Washington State game. It's Saturday's Arizona State-Stanford game. It has nothing to do with the game itself because, after all, these are a pair of unranked 500 teams. This is an important game because it's the first ever Set the Expectation game. Now, Set the Expectation is a campaign that raises awareness about sexual assault and domestic violence. Stanford and Arizona State will wear teal and purple ribbons on their helmets to show their involvement and support. The founder of the campaign is Brenda Tracy, who was gang raped by four men, including two football players at Oregon State in 1999. Now, I'm the daughter of a rape survivor, and by the grace of God, I escaped an attempted rape. And I get frustrated with sexual assault conversations because most of them center on telling women how not to get raped. Tracy started speaking to football programs across the country because, to paraphrase her, far too many people viewed rape and sexual assault as crimes that happen in the abstract. Most of the young men she encounters have never spoken with a sexual assault survivor. Some have even cried after listening to her. She asked the player she talks to for a pledge to stand up against sexism and violence against women and to only practice consensual sex. She wants their commitment to respecting women, not their sympathy.
Picture it. Foxborough Stadium. Patriots locker room. Summer 2000. A rookie four-string QB and a young reporter, yours truly, both in his early 20s, making small talk while everyone else gets a word in with the starting QB with the big contract. Who knew one of those kids will go on to overcome controversy and rotating supporting cast members to probably going down as the greatest to ever do it? And guess what? Tom Brady turned out pretty all right, too. With the win Sunday against the Panthers, Brady will tie Brett Favre and Peyton Manning for most regular season wins by a starting quarterback. Brady already has the most wins, including playoffs, with 210. And at 40, he's won the last two AFC Offensive Player of the Week awards while compensating for a defense that has allowed a league-high 95 points. You see why I kept telling y'all not to bet against Brady in his battle with unbeaten father time? Wasn't too long ago that it was popular to give Manning the title of best regular season quarterback ever. But Brady basically has unified the belts after Super Bowl 51, if not before. GOAT, QB do you start a team with? QB you want to have with one game to win or with the game on the line? All Brady. Is he the best to ever spin the ball? Probably not, but I know the ball gets where it has to on time. How much time have we spent, wasted rather, speculating about his time with the Patriots coming to an end or whether he's past his prime? Yet here he is passing for 364 a game. Hasn't missed the playoffs since 02, not counting the season he missed. Think about it. How many down years would you say he's had, relatively speaking? The answer is none. And how many guys can say that? And that might be the best thing you can say about the greatest, that he's always been, well, great. Bro, they got to be telling me this is white. Oh, tell them black or central. Negro. Negro. What you call me? <laughs> Snapchat oh. king right there. Um, so we've all been infatuated with the banana boat. D-Wade, he told Rachel Nichols, basically not so much. Here's what he had to say. All I know is I did not want to get on that banana boat. That's all I remember saying. It's like, guys, I don't want to get on that. And everybody's like, come on, you know, peer pressure on vacation. Right. And I'm like, all right. And then the picture surface. And I'm like, see, this is why I didn't want to get on this banana boat. My wife wants you to go on a banana boat, you go on a banana boat. I, it is a little hokey, but it, but in a good way. Have you ever been on a banana boat? I have not, but it, there was some, in a, on a group vacation I went on, there was some discussion about doing one. Have you ever fallen for the banana in the tailpipe? Hopefully not. Never. Wait, Odell oh Beckham Jr. fined $12,154 <laughs> for that celebration. <laughs> Hope it was money well spent. I want to see what he's got for this Sunday. There were people talking this week and writing whether or not the Giants should bench him. Like, really? Well, again, whether or not he was worth the contract that they're going to have. That's right. Okay, let's not get carried away. You know how I felt about that celebration. Giants, they're going down again? Tampa Bay? Uh, no, nah, I think they win this week. I'm going to go ahead and pick them to win this week. Yeah, I, I'm still not feeling real hopeful about their season. Um, meanwhile, speaking of another game, C.J. Anderson's mom is a huge Raiders fan, and when the teams play, she tells her son, look, you know I'm a Raiders fan. I love you, son, but just not against my Raiders. That's too real. Real fan. That's too real. Real fan. I think that's also unique to Raiders fans, too. I think most moms would end up siding with their sons for the most part. Raiders fans... Well, not even a move to Vegas gets them away from their team. Well, maybe not. Remember, uh, was it Landon Collins' mom? Uh huh. She was never giving up. Uh, oh, LSU. LSU. Oh, that's, yeah, I remember that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. LSU fans. When he declared, in the, in the when he box. committed. That's right. Falcons defensive end Tack McKinley got his first NFL sack against the Lions, but he lost a dread, which was found <laughs> on the field after the game and is now being sold on eBay. Who buys this? I don't know, and I don't even think the purpose is to actually sell it. 
or get money for it. I think it's just to put it on eBay so that we put it on television. Okay, and so yeah, I mean, really, this is all part of a master plan to be, get more attention I mean, get attention. I can't see the picture. Is it proof that it's his drag? It be anybody's drag. <laughs> the DNA evidence? Well, what are the... Granted, a lot of players do have dreads now, so... I, I think he said I, he wanted to buy it back, too. Is he going to reattach it? <laughs> um, okay, so... Who on this Butterfingers Bears Twitter beef, which started after Mike Glennon fumbled a snap off his knees in the first quarter? Can I just say real quick? Yeah. Unpopular opinion. Don't do it, please. Butterfingers are not good. It's my favorite That's the, candy. It's, it's only my favorite candy. Butterfingers? Absolutely. You get stuck in your teeth. It's not. Don't lay a finger on my Butterfinger. I love. That's a terrible candy. No, it's not. It is. You have terrible taste. No, I have good taste. It's generally terrible, and when it comes to you. Well, you you telling me it's better than Snickers and Milky Way? Yeah. Oh, Mike. And it was better than Mike Glennon? Mitchell Trubisky. I'm just going to go out on the limb. Just make a change. Time for the Applebee's top plays of the month. Now, check this out. Connor Loftus says this frisbee out over the lake, and out of nowhere comes a boat, and the driver makes the catch. That's just I thought I was good with a frisbee back in the day. Number nine, high school football set up for a field goal. Holder tosses the ball over his head. Woo! Kicker touchdown, ladies and gentlemen. Kickeration. All right, number eight. Uh, this shot is a little heavy. All right, over the river. Goes off the hole, down a rock, bouncing around on the green and rolls in. Number seven, Middlebury soccer. Watch this, from 30 yards out. Upper 90 right there. Oh, it's called going upper 90. All right, here's number six. Tyler Hopkins set for a field goal. His initial attempt is blocked, but the ball bounces right in front of him and he attempts a second field goal. I think it said that shouldn't have counted, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that ever in football. Texas Lutheran football right there. All right, Centennial High School football. This is Lance Frost making a catch with his ankles? I guess that was guess what that was. Yeah. Okay. All right. Little, yeah, ankle. It looks good to me. He had control. Ruff's got it right without replay. All right, that the attack by Wilkes is batted to the back of the court. Freshman Monica Lopez saves it with one arm and sends it back over. What a play, Manhattanville College and Wilkes. More ultimate frisbee. After this spike and winner, there we go. All right. More ultimate frisbee. This one. In the space, <laughs> practically. Wait and uh, wait George Stubbs lays out to make the catch for the score. All right, number two, we got freshman quarterback Ambrose Fletcher caught scrambling. Spun about three times. One, two, three. But is still able to get the ball out and find a receiver. That was one of the better players I saw this week. So how's that number two? How's that number two? That's probably the best player I saw this week. Well, let's check out number one, some disc golf. This is Greg Barsby from the woods. Wraps this one around the trees for the hole in one. Okay. All, All right. right. That, okay. I, guess, I, I, I get it. Okay. I didn't, oh. I, didn't, I didn't realize the hole in one was going to be number one, so I understand. All right. Makes sense to me. Right. What we call a day? Who had a good day, Jamel? All right. Uh, good day for Dirk Nowitzki. He got $20 uh, from a fan and a note that read, you've been taking discounts the past six years to help the team bring talent. And a title, lunch is on me, big fella. That's awesome. Look, I realize there's bad news today regarding the Hawks. Dennis Schroeder charged with battery and released on bail. But I'll leave you with good news coming out of the ATL. RTJ performing at the Atlanta Hawks home opener what? on October 27th against the Nuggets and old friend Paul Millsap. Shout nice. out to Killer Mike and Real EP. Sir Foster, too, right? He's, he's, yeah, he's on the Oregon. Oh, he's on the Oregon, right. Maybe we can go. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN News. Stay tuned for Miami and Duke.